This week's sponsor of the Fastest Known Podcast is VJ Shoes. Founded in Finland, VJ has been making performance outdoor running shoes for over 40 years, and now they're finally available in North America. With the best grip on the planet, VJ Shoes have helped the world's best trail runners, sky runners, participants in orienteering, and even obstacle course racers achieve their dreams and win world championships. We'll hear from some of those athletes on the Fastest Known Podcast in the coming weeks. Listeners can get $40 off of VJ Shoes by going to vjshoesusa.com slash fkt and entering code fkt40 at checkout. Thanks for the support, VJ. I am in sunny California right now talking to a gentleman you may or may not have heard of, but you really should. This person set the FKT in the John Muir Trail and is a two-time Barkley finisher. I am speaking with... Brett Mountie. <laughs> um, live in Redwood City. Uh, I'm a risk manager at uh, Farmers Business Network and I have a wife and two kids. Brett Mountie, it's, we're sitting here. I haven't seen you in years. You look fantastic. I haven't... What's it been, like eight years since we saw each other last it, time? It seems like it's been about that long. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> but you look fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, yeah, Buzz. You bet. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great story, Brett, because you're an amazing endurance athlete. Uh, Peter Backwin and I, we went up Long's Peak. We did the uh, Keener's route on Long's yeah. Peak that time. And yeah, that was fun. Like, Here comes this guy from California. Who knows what cred he's got? And you just strolled right up. You know, low fifth yeah. class solo route. Yeah, that was that was an awesome route. I remember that. That was the Keener's route is an amazing route to do. Yeah, but I think you came under the radar with the JMT, and this, it was an interesting story because you just blew it out of the water, and no one had ever heard of you before. You it was all ultra runners with some credibility, some background, and who is Brett Mounty? No one. Literally, no one had heard of you, and some people did not believe, literally did not believe the time you did it in, and Peter took your photos, looked at the time stamps on it, and verified it that way, and then it wasn't later till people met you and said, wow, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, uh, some people did not believe it. I think it took the uh, the Barclay... Uh, to convince some of the, uh, the the holdouts. Well, all of a sudden, that. you show up at Barkley Marathons and you become a finisher. So that's, uh, you couldn't fake that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to, you have to show the, the scars <laughs> from that. <laughs> show the scars. Indeed, that was the next year. You, you finished two years. The next year was when Jared Campbell made his appearance on the scene. Mm -hmm. And I think you did four laps together that year. Yeah, that's right. We did. Yeah. It, up until at which point you are forced to split up and go the separate rays on the, the last loop. That's right. Yeah. So going back again, my recollection of the GMT is you had that uber methodical style. Let's just talk about style here. Because you said you're a risk manager, but you're a, you're a high-end scientist, I believe. Yeah, in, in my former life, I was a scientist. Oh, you're uh, not now. <laughs> well, I'm, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm a risk manager now. Oh. Um, but I've, 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 kinda, I've done a mixture of both uh, you know, financial uh, and uh, jobs as well as uh, scientific research. 
gotcha. based. Well, when you told Peter and I the type of research you were doing, only he understood it. I mean, I couldn't even understand what you were doing. So you, you were a very high-end scientist. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was doing, I was doing physics research for for many years, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, definitely during the the Barclay and JMT years. It's only finance has only been more more recent. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have two kids, you got to make a little money. <laughs> yeah, they're they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but that really ties in with the JMT, if I may. Uh, a lot of ultra runners, right? If you have a comment on this, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I I notice that ultra runners tend to go in these things with a fair amount of confidence due to their running background, and they flail. They're not. They lack methodical nature. They lose chunks of time, even if they're very fast runners. Mm-hmm. Well, you took that approach, uh, kind of a, you're not a through hiker, but you took that very scientific approach of minimizing time loss. That, that, that's right. And, and just uh, stepping back a second for the, the confidence aspect, I, um, I, so I didn't, uh, I didn't have, any ultra running experience going into the JMT, but in, in, in many ways, I would say that that was an advantage because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And so I had no idea that it was going to be as hard as it was. And so I, I, I just looked at the time, you know, the average speed was something around three miles an hour. And to me, it's like at the time I was doing a lot of long day hikes, like 30 mile day hikes and that sort of thing. And it's like, you know, I could, I could walk three miles an hour forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> how hard can this be? Interesting. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Oh. But, but you're you're right though, Buzz. I I mean, I, I obsessively focused on on how to minimize time loss. You know, minimize you know the time it takes to get water to eat. You know, I was moving as much as I possibly could. Relentless forward motion. That's right. Well, thank you for bringing that back. And this is a theme of the Fastest Known podcast is that relentless forward motion, the tortoise versus the hare. And if I recall, Brent, you told me back then that you practiced filling water bottles and drinking water bottles and putting them away. That's right. Yeah. Listeners should hear this. Yeah. This is real. Well, yeah, because throughout the course of the full JMT, you're probably doing that, I don't know anymore, like 30, 50 times or so. And so if you waste a minute doing that, that can be a half an hour to an hour. Right. So, I mean, everything, everything you do adds up over the span of three days. There you go. I think this is good. This is good info. It's a good attitude that for the multi-day efforts, I think ultra runners would do well to heed. But then you get into Barclay. That's different. I mean, you have to be tip, tough, fit, and extremely determined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, as far as the preparation going into that, uh, I mean, the first year, I I, I did my, my research as, as best I could on the course. You know, I looked at the, the topo maps and, you know, memorized it as much as I could, you know, to develop like an internal, you know, uh, you know, map within, you know, one's mind. Um, and then, uh, of of course the, you know, physical preparation for it. I mean, that's, you know, that's critical. I mean, you have to be able to do the game. Um, how did you prepare for that living in California? Well, so 
at, so I, I did I did a lot of short hill repeats. Uh, wow. Basically, I, I I mean you have to you have to make do with what is accessible. And I think the largest hill I had at that time was about 500 feet. Um, so I, I did all my hill repeats on either a 500 foot hill or a 300 foot hill, I think, which, I mean, it's a lot of repeats, especially when you get down to 300 or even 200 feet. Well, for doing that like four hours at a time. Oh, just four hours. Yeah. Like, like say you're doing, I I mean, my, my standard workout, I would have built up to like 12,000 feet of gain. In one Um, day. uh, Oh yeah. Like in like four hours. Four hours. Yeah. Um, and you know, so you know, I mean, how, however many laps that works out to be, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot, like forty, yeah, forty laps is what I remember uh, on the the three hundred foot hill. Okay. So just doing that, <laughs> you wow. know, several times a week. Well, Jared did uh, Grandeur, uh, which is much bigger. You, know, you got yeah. to do the uh, a few thousand foot game per lap. Yeah. But John Kelly, the last person to finish Barkley, told me he did it on a treadmill in the basement. Uh, so, but then how does he do the descent? Because, the, right. I mean, you, you need to, I mean, I've, I've gone through this so many times where, I mean, I, I like running on an inclined treadmill. I mean, it's efficient and it's easy on the body, but then, if you know, the quads just need to be acclimated for the descent. and. You know, if you <laughs> if you don't prepare for that, then it's it's pretty pretty brutal. That's a good question, which I did not ask him. Okay. He now lives he, in the UK. I, it'd be hard to ask him, but we'll have to get yeah. John Kelly on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had so many bouts of you know delayed onset muscle soreness from quads from from quads from yeah. not doing enough downhill. Right. Um, but what? How did, so there's the, the toughness factor. I mean, there's a the sleep deprivation factor. I mean, fitness, there's a fair number of people who are fit enough to finish Barkley, but very, very few are tough enough or determined enough. Well, I think I think now with, with how difficult the course is, it, I, mean, I mean, you always needed to be in great shape. No question about it. Um, but now it's... It's much harder. I would say it's much harder. It's definitely harder to get in the level of fitness to where you can finish it. So he, it's it's not, made the course a little longer. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's. Uh, I, I try to keep up with it. I think it's in the neighborhood of like three and a half to four hours longer, oh. effectively than when I last did it. So it's definitely, it's a noticeably harder course now than it was. Um, but I mean, you you definitely have to be in great you know, phenomenal shape to complete it. Um, but then, you know, that, that just, that's just one requirement. You also have to have the, the mental component as well. And then, uh, and then of course not get lost <laughs> <laughs> or have other, another, any other major snafu, which costs you two critical hours or you said three and a half to four hours longer. That's for over the whole thing, not per lap. Right. Yeah. yeah. Over, over the full thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that yeah. adds. Oh that's, yeah. It, it adds up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 30 minutes adds up. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's amazing. Interesting. So the methodical training, the GMT, and then after that, you went after the Colorado 14ers. Oh, uh, yes. I had a lot of fun out in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the Colorado 14er record, I mean, that has got to, in my opinion, I mean, I, I like mountaineering 
uh, and I like FKTs. Um, and so in my mind, that is that is one of the, the like, just the best FKTs out there. I Interesting. Mean, it, it, it is, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it, it's like the ultimate FKT as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Well, when Peter and I, we met you in Buni, Buena Vista one year. That's right. I remember that. And we were a little puzzled because you're from California. And why pick the Colorado? Because the Colorado 14ers has this logistical aspect. There's just, oh, you yeah. need, without a good crew, it doesn't work that well. Y- yes, it is. It is a logistical nightmare. And even more so when you're not from Colorado and your crew is not from Colorado. And I, yeah, this cannot be underestimated, the logistical yeah. challenges it, it is. And, and actually, I'd almost say that it's, in hindsight, and now that it, you know several years have passed and <laughs> I've got kids and they're older now, it's almost r- reckless to do it if your crew is not native to Colorado or they you know they don't know all the trailheads and roads wow. because by the time you're going to get to the end of it, I mean you're going to go ten days plus or minus you know a day or so or whatever, and everyone's sleep deprived, and it just at some point it just becomes dangerous. Even for the crew to just drive and not like wreck, you know, the car. Wow! So I, it is. It is a, it a is young a, man's game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with no, with no kids. <laughs> <laughs> no kids. Well, unless you're from Colorado, then you can do what you want. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're Andrew Hamilton. Yeah, with multiple kids. Interesting, interesting. Because we had to think that. The, Cal- the California 14ers, way easier logistical because you go up there and you can run off many of them, it's, it's, except for White Mountain and Shasta, there's hardly any driving. Yeah, um, but the, the, the reason why I've never done the, the California 14ers is because of um, um, Palisade Traverse. Oh, too technical. Yeah, it's, it's just too technical. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Thunderbolt 5.9. Yeah, Five but, nine summit block. I mean, it's it's a boulder. It's a boulder move. But right. I I mean, I've I've done. I've scouted it, and I like mentally, I've I've kind of thought to myself, okay, how many times would I really like to have a rope? And it was it was like a handful of times. I mean, I could, I I never I never was proficient with climbing enough to make myself comfortable doing that without a rope. Interesting, interesting. And I. I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to get the kind of proficiency in climbing without spending a lot of time doing it. And right. I, I never had the time to right. to do it. You were always working. Yeah, yeah. Or or running on a treadmill <laughs> to stay in shape. <laughs> running on a treadmill at night and working during the day does not enable one to free solo 5.9. But the, the technique now is they, they tend to lasso it. They actually throw a rope up and prusik up. Yeah, does that count? That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's. But you lose style points. You lose style points, but uh, don't lose the FKT. Okay. Well, maybe I should try it. <laughs> well, you were extraordinarily fit, but I think you, issues developed around the Colorado 14ers for you. Uh, yeah. That's well. I had numerous issues on the Colorado 14ers, um, uh, health issues, but like accidents and that sort of thing. Uh, but the uh, one in particular is that's the, the second attempt. I tried it three times. The second attempt is where I, I discovered that I had uh, exercise induced asthma. Uh, and that is why all three attempts failed uh, ultimately. 
and uh, I now know that impact of the JMT. It impacts uh, pretty much anything that's more than a day um, that's in a, a cold, uh, especially cold and dry environment. So for something like the Barclay, ironically, I don't think it ever impacted me, at least not significantly, because it's it's warm. It's it's warm, and at least when the years I did it, it happened to be warm and moist enough to where it didn't limit me. But who knows? Actually, maybe maybe it did, for all I know, because it's it's not obvious when it actually does start to become a limiting factor. Um, but yeah, it's a it's unfortunately it's a it's a it's a performance limiter. Um, I tried taking medicine for it on the third attempt, but it, it seemed to make no difference at all. Uh, and, and actually, as more time goes on, I, I, I realize it's, it's worse than I, I think it is or th- used to think it was. Like, for example, I, I did Uray 100, and I, I thought that well, that's a short enough event. You know, one day, oh, it's like one day and, and a half, but more importantly, there's only one night. And so, again, the, like the, the cold and dry air is what tr- really triggers it. And so I figured one night I would be fine, but even then, by the end of, of, of that race, I was pretty much walking on the descents. I could, wow. I could barely jog on the descents because the asthma was that bad. Maybe it's gotten worse with age. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, uh, fortunately, it's, I don't trigger that to that degree that often just because I'm not, I'm not doing multi-days that often anymore. So... <laughs> It's it's hard to really say for sure. I mean, it's hard to do these these experiments. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe it is getting worse with time. Did you do you think you gave up time on the JMT due due to exercise induced asthma? Yeah, yeah, I gave up a lot of time on the last day in, much, in particular. How much do you think? I I I don't know, but it, it could it could easily be I'd say six hours. Wow! Because it probably wasn't just the third day. It was also I mean the third day was just horrendous. I mean I was I was walking very slowly even downhill <laughs> at the end uh because i was out of breath wow because I, I mean think about that like like stepping over rocks i had i was avoiding rocks because just just you know you know stepping on like a three inch rock i could i mean it was taxing because i mean i my excess oxygen uptake was was that minimal like yeah i mean that's hard that's really hard yeah and yet you still got the fkt Yep. <laughs> you were fit and you were determined. Yep. Yeah, it was determined. That's for, yeah, for that. I mean, irrationally determined, I would say, for that. <laughs> like when you think you're basically killing yourself, but you don't stop. That's when, <laughs> that's when you know you're pushing it a bit far. There's an interesting element to that, isn't there, Brett? I mean, there's a component to that, isn't there? Of people who, what you just said, in a figurative or maybe even a literal sense, pushing yourself so hard it feels like you're just killing yourself, but you don't stop, you keep going. Yeah. And so it, to win the mile, I should say the 1,500 meters, it doesn't take that, even the marathon. But something like a multi-day where your body system, you're not digesting food well, your endocrine, your hormonal systems, or your sleep deprivation, that's a different level of push. Yeah. Well, what do you yeah. think? Is that healthy, or what do you think about that? Well, as as long as it doesn't kill you, yes, <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's the right decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a lot of things in life. I mean, it's it's a calculated risk. I mean, you 
you know, do you want to do you want to live a life with with minimal risk and then minimal potential reward, or not that you have to necessarily, you know, risk your life to have a fulfilling life or or, or anything like that. But um, you know, it's a it's a calculated it's a calculated risk to take. Hmm. So, and I'm, you know, I definitely have a higher risk tolerance than than some people, and and but then lower than others as well. <laughs> but. Hmm. Interesting thoughts. Well, we drove out here from Colorado to California, passed through Palm Springs, did, uh, what's it called? Cactus to Clouds. Yep. The Skyline Trail, San Jacinto. Super amazing. That's a wonderful hill climb. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I mean, there's, that's so good. There's, there's not that many climbs of that duration, of that gain in the continental U.S. There's right. probably only a handful with without... A really long approach. Yeah, this is yeah. over eight thousand feet in one yeah. straight shot. Well, it's it's eight thousand feet up to the tram. Correct. It's over ten thousand feet up to the San Jacinto. Yeah, right. But there's a little flat section there. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little different. The yeah. character changes after the tram. Yep. But you still have the FKT on that. Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit surprised. I still, I, I haven't been keeping up with the FKTs <laughs> lately, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm a bit out of the game at the moment, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm. I'm I, I know there's been attempts on it. I'm, I'm. I'm a bit surprised that no one. Maybe there there haven't been that many attempts on it. Um, but yeah, that's it's a, it's an amazing route. And were you going hard? How did you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, at at the time when I was doing it, I was I was pushing myself very hard. Um, I mean, I was to the point of I, I felt like throwing up for an extended period of time. I mean, I, I pushed myself. Just, uh, just so hard for so long up that. Um, during that, uh, I don't, I don't think I could have done it any faster. Uh, that day, that particular day when I did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the characteristic of a person who can push themselves that hard? Because we talk about fitness, we talk about skill, things like that. But when we get into the JMT, the Barkley, the Fourteeners, things like that. It's a little different, in my opinion. It's that ability just to go to the mat, go to the, take it to the max. And you have that, had that. What do you think? I mean, who has this, who doesn't? Is this something that's trainable? I, I don't know. I, I'm inclined to say that it's not really trainable. It's... It's... Not necessarily intrinsic. Oh, it could be intrinsic, but then also just a, a byproduct of, of. Well, certainly it could also just be a byproduct of upbringing. Um, for whatever reason, you know, people's brains get wired, you know, to, to really devote themselves to accomplishing some objective, mm. you know, at all costs. Goal oriented at all costs. Yeah. And you had that, and. Why, if I may ask? Is there any possibility of offering an explanation, or is that just how you were wired? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe there's some OCD there. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I tend to get focused on things at times, and, you know. If, Work is the same. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean every, everything's like that. I, mean, I tend to get focused on, on whatever I'm doing. Um, whether it's work or, or running up a mountain, but yeah, and and 
and there's been it's one it's a cognitive bias that's been um, shown that when you whatever you're focusing on, you tend to exaggerate its importance, and so if you naturally just just dwell on something, you're going to just inflate its importance mm-hmm. even more. And so if something just becomes all all important, it just, it's becomes all consuming, and so it kind of becomes this 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 uh, I don't know self fulfilling. Uh, cycle of, in, in some ways. So if you start spending all your long winter nights reading about the Colorado 14er routes, you're going to get into it. Yep. And then and then also at some point you, you realize, okay, you, you, you sink so much time and effort into something. It's like you want it to be a success. Ah. <laughs> a quote-unquote success. I mean, not, not that see. actually achieving the, the FKT or whatever means success or not, but I mean, you can have multiple definitions of success, you know, just the experience, just the pursuit and that sort of thing. But um, So it's self-fulfilling. Once yeah. you've invested that amount of time and energy, then you really want to accomplish a goal. Yeah, it can definitely amplify it. Amplify Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's probably more applicable for like the longer FKTs. I mean, something like the Colorado 14ers, I mean, my God, I, it's like hundreds and thousands, maybe thousands of hours of effort to go into that um i mean not just you know arranging all the logistics and the routes and all that but then actually going out to climb all the mountains <laughs> to scout all the routes uh, and that's what Thou- I'm literally thousands of hours I, I don't know i i have no idea but it, i mean it's that's just an, it's an insane amount um if you're not in colorado right to where you can just conveniently you know right you know pick off the summits right Oh, the history, Rick and Ricky, of course, they're, they're the people who established the modern record. Very good mountain runners, not very good in logistics. The record was a little soft. Their times in the summits were very good, mm-hmm. but their logistics were really poor. And then we had cave dog, Teddy Kaiser. He reversed that. He went out there with his crew and yep. rehearsed the whole thing and then executed. Yep. He sort of demonstrated the modern style of doing that. Yep. And then, and then Hamilton further lowered it. And then now, you know, you've got to be solid in both. <laughs> right. You have to have excellent logistics and fitness. Yeah. Well, Andrew really was the sleep deprivation king. That's what he wasn't super fast, but he mm-hmm. he just you know he just marched up there above Timberline at night in a thunderstorm and yeah, take off four summits by himself. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. You yeah. That's the sort of thing. Like the things that you <laughs> file that in the category of things you would normally not do, <laughs> but you do because it's an FKT. Ooh, there oh it is. man, yeah, things but, you normally yes. would not do, but you do. Okay, we've got to ponder that. We sh- maybe we should offer a disclaimer to our listeners yeah. at this point. Kids don't well, try this at home, well, or adults don't try this out in the mountains. Well, well just like in the in uh, the Ure 100, I was doing. I mean, there was a, a horrendous thunderstorm in the middle of the night. I couldn't see anything. I was basically lost and I'm like fending off hypothermia trying to, to, to get this hole punch so I could turn back down and head down and I'm thinking to myself this is insane <laughs> you know, what am I doing here what am I you doing should really just be trying to head back down to the mountain and give up on the on the race at this point but but yeah yeah the things you do when you're in a race that mm. you would not otherwise do mm. but but that's part of the that's part of the attraction though I mean that's part of the the value of it I mean that experience those experiences that you open yourself up to, you know, it, it, it sets the, like the FKTs, it sets the, the conditions for these incredibly memorable experiences, you know, for the rest of your life. And that's one of the, the things that always 
like drew me into into doing them as well right okay that's the balance point thanks for exploring the topic brent you're a good person to explore it with since you've been there done that and you're an intelligent person but i do i will offer the disclaimer of safety first for whatever that's worth i think for yeah. when people listening to this um can you know have to listen to their inner guide how about put it yeah. that way listen to your inner guide of what has meaning and value to you and then make an intelligent informed decision based on your own value system how is how is that is that a good disclaimer yeah <laughs> that, that, that'll work it's kind of, it kind of works for everything doesn't it it yeah. works for staying home and running in your, your treadmill in your basement or yeah yeah okay well yeah keep keep things in perspective keep things in perspective try to so what's up now i mean obviously you got a wife you got two kids and you got a great job so what are you up to now in terms of the world of recreation well i'm i'm doing what i can to stay fit um mm. and uh so i i'm I, I am trying to do more races you know to get if for no other reason and to get motivation to do more training um but but really kind of ultra running it is, is kind of turning into uh, for me, an experiment of what I can do on about six hours of training a week. Is six it, hours of training is not a lot for ultra running. Uh, no, it's not. But I mean, you do get the benefit of you know, like, you know, the historical training. I mean, you can, if you've ever been in 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 pretty good shape and you've done like the long distances, you've, the base you, is still there. It, yeah, it, you you can definitely leverage, you know, the the history somewhat. Uh, thankfully. Right, um, but it's it's kind of it's a different experience now. It's like when I was doing the URA, I almost kind of I kind of did it as partly like on a whim, well you know just to see. Well, I mean it's an awesome course. I mean the San Juans, I mean yeah. you can't beat that. Right. Um, that in and of itself was was reason to do it for sure. But then just to see you know oh, what would happen if I just if I just tried it, um, you know because again you know it's it's not necessarily better if you can do something faster and easier. Um, because I mean, part of the reason why I do it is for the you know the experience and the memories and having to suffer through something. You know, at the time it may not be pleasant, but you know after it's over, you know it's going to create some memory that hopefully will be worth something in the okay. future when you look right. back on it. All right, it's so, kind of like hatha yoga. If someone is really flexible, hatha yoga is harder for them because it's too easy. They it's, they they don't not getting any effect. Well, for those of us, if I can put you in the same category, well, we're not real flexible. Hatha yoga is right there. It's right there in front of us. It's mm -hmm. sort of an odd paradoxical sense. It's easy to do because it's hard to do. You get an experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm, oh, work, work with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if I, if I did yoga, then I would take time from the treadmill. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta choose my... My six hours carefully. <laughs> okay, so a few races here and there, staying in shape, uh, trying try to do what I can. I mean, I I always want to get in better shape and mm -hmm. devote more time to training, but uh, it just hasn't been happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd I'd love to to get back out there and try to do some FKTs if if not something shorter, uh, something longer, where it doesn't require as much, you know, peak cardio fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got some ideas, Buzz. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm all ears. Pre- preferably with, with at most one night, though. One night. <laughs> because okay. I'm not good after that. <laughs> one night. Okay. One, one night or less. Well, you know, my specialty I call low-hanging fruit far out on the limb. Oh. Which, which is things other people haven't thought of. That's that's no. my forte. Yeah. I mean, but that's how it's it's gone. I mean, yeah. rim to rim to rim. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah, yeah it's that's nice. A, that's one. an awesome one. But mm, mm, we actually are thinking, Brett, disclosing this for the first time, of starting on the premier routes a top ten list of FKTs, because it, they're becoming. We don't want it to become this elitist aspect. We really like the every person can do this. Mm-hmm. Find something that's cool, that's interesting, that's meaning for you. Learn the route that no one else has learned. Go out there and do it. But uh, it's become so popular, so well accepted all over the world that some of the more popular routes, more notable routes, are really fast now. Oh, yeah. And it's just, yeah. eh, this isn't going to happen. But a top 10 list on just the premier routes might be something that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Okay, then we could also have a list for people who work for a living and <laughs> yeah. people who have families, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about yeah. that. Can we come up with some sort of like handicap system? <laughs> 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 Throw an age. <laughs> well, age, I, I'd be back in the game, but uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to do that. I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, this is terrific, and but you look terrific. You know, you look you look very fit. You look very healthy, and that's an important thing. You're a happy yep. guy, and that's that's what it's about, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Ultimately, that's that is what it should be about. Okay. Well, thank you, Brett, for spending time on the Fastest Known podcast with us. And please stay in touch, and maybe we'll get out there together sometime. Yeah, I'd love to, Buzz. Thanks. It's been uh, it's been good talking with you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>